0: No cartridge audio. My name is Trevor Strunk. Take a bond on Twitter, and I have with me a return guest, uh, Mr. Paul Walker Emig. Hello, Paul.
1: Hi. How you doing?
0: I'm good. Uh, yeah. People may know you from um, many podcasts. Run them down for me. I know you have two, but I, I want to be sure that you don't have a secret third.
1: Uh, ha- had two. Um, ah, well. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it still um, have it's it's
0: it's a it's a product out there in the world. You, you've created something
1: that's true. Yeah, it does still exist. Um, the so I've, for the longest one I've been doing is uh utopian horizons, which is uh, a podcast about utopias and, and dystopias. So yeah, covering like all sorts of things from like uh novels, films, political movements, um yeah whatever you could you can imagine uh utopia or dystopia existing in so yeah i've been doing that for a long time and i also did a podcast called get object which was about objects in video games which i did uh with my friend rosie um which we stopped like earlier this year basically but yeah some no cartridges will be will definitely be familiar with it because i i used to um asking the no cartridge discord for suggestions whenever I was I, always
0: I was always pleased people gave you so many suggestions
1: yeah it was great yeah uh, yeah thanks to, to anyone who was listening like people were always really helpful um giving suggestions and like there were I'm I'm pretty sure like every episode we did there was stuff that people suggested that had not crossed my mind that was like <laughs> yeah really good to, to include so yeah it was really helpful.
0: So you're doing so, like the the reason you're on today. I mean, aside from it's always a pleasure to have you on. You can always, always come on if we can (laughs) sync our schedules. You, of course, are uh, in in the in the uh, the wild world of Europe. um, Yes, which which makes it you know time zones being what they are. Uh, I hear they're gonna get rid of those things. Um, We'll just have to see how that all goes. Uh, so, so in certain places it will just be permanently night when you're awake. Uh, this seems completely fair. Um, but yeah, so, you know, you're always welcome on when we can sync it up, but you actually have like a, a a very specific reason for being on today, which is, uh, I say actually not because you don't always have a specific reason for being on, but I feel like typically I have people on and. We struggled to figure out, like, well, what's the reason for you being that it would be nice to chat.
1: Uh, you have a what's very specific,
0: yeah. God, oh, well. Now we have to figure this out. Um, but, but you have a very specific reason, um, I, I would say. And, and what is that reason? You're starting. You're, you're you're starting a project.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, so um, I I'm launching a, a Kickstarter for a book I want to do which is about objects in video games which uh, as you can Weird. tell is is related to the to the the podcast idea um yes yeah, so I I was um yeah like I say I've been doing that show with with Rosie and um I mean I I I give I give credit to to Rosie for the idea really uh she always tries to put it back to me but it it was it was primarily her suggestion but mm-hmm. but I was kind of like when we were doing the show, I was kind of like, uh, I guess sometimes surprised by what how productive I found it to be looking at video games specifically through objects. So so just to make it clear for anyone who, who doesn't know, we would pick like a category of objects, so like keys or maps, and then we would just do an episode on that object. And yeah, I found it like a really interesting way to think about games. And it's we found that there were some really... Productive conversations coming out of that, and I was like, "Oh, this is a this is a cool thing." Um, we stopped doing the podcast because just because of like time, basically. Uh, Rosie has that's Rosie typically has, the I mean, best
0: reason to to stop doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, don't have enough time to do it.
1: Yeah, like Rosie has other podcasts as well and stuff, so it was just yeah a bit, a bit much. But I was like, I still like this idea, um, and I was like, yeah, the, this kind of way of approaching. Approaching it like dividing it into it dividing it into um, categories of objects fits well for like a book. You can just obviously do chapters on on on, on each object. That seems like yeah. a very really obvious thing to do. I'd already had a bunch of notes from doing the show of like these these um, yeah the objects that we covered and, and thought there's potential there to like expand on some things, do some objects we haven't covered, and I was like, yeah, I think it would be cool to do a, a book. Um, so yeah, I asked Rosie if she wanted to do a book, uh, given that she had just stopped doing a podcast because of time. She said, no, but, um, you go Shocker. ahead. But it was yeah.
0: nice, nice of you to ask.
1: <laughs> yeah. She said, uh, I don't want to, but you're, you're perfectly welcome. You have my blessing. So yeah, I decided to, to try and do this. I have no idea if there's enough of an audience, uh, out there to, to support such a thing. Uh, and I'll find out (laughs) maybe there isn't, but, uh, I, I thought, uh, I'll give it a go. Well,
0: I really like, I mean, so, so, uh, just to sort of say it initially, like you, you were kind enough to share, uh, the, um, the, the video you'll be putting out, uh, introducing this. I don't know if you want to talk about the methods of, of of what you will be introducing it on or not, but like, um, you know, I, I, you sent me the video and really like I would say the, like the graphical elements of like when you're kind of like pitching the book and like there there are like sample pages and stuff it's like really cool like it it, it looks like something you'd immediately want to read oh, um, thank you. oh yeah of course I mean like just like you know shifting from like I don't know like uh cyberpunk to something that looks like Virtua cop to like oh like here's here's objects in persona and like all of a sudden you're thinking like man how many objects have I seen in these games and, and it's just like, there, there are tons. Like it turns out there are way more objects than I thought. <laughs> like I, this is, this is something that I definitely was not curious enough about before uh, you started talking about it. And like, it definitely, I don't know. It seems like it would be a neat book just to even have around like just a page through and stuff, which is fantastic with the Kickstarter. Well, with any audience really.
1: Yeah. What well, i um, pleased you, you think it looks cool there. Yeah. Like, like you said, there's sample pages there. Um, uh, Basically, I'm I'm working on it with uh, a friend who I know who's a professional designer. Mm. So um, I know him from like when I was working like on a magazine like a, a long time ago. So yeah, because I, I, I wanted to make something that kind of yeah looked looked good as well. Like um, <laughs> hopefully the words will be good, but also something that looked nice and hey, listen,
0: yeah. I mean, you don't always need to have both as long as you well, we have the one. If yeah. you have to pick one too, you know.
1: Yeah, but but yeah. So we put some sample pages together, so hopefully people can get an idea of what I want to do and what I want it, what I want it to look like. And yeah, like you said, there's a hopefully going to be a big variety of games games in there and stuff. Like yeah, like you mentioned, Time Crisis appears there, so I'm going to hopefully be covering kind of the whole history of games. You know, there's no kind of recency bias or anything. I'm not trying to that's again that's one of the things with doing a kickstarter like something like this i can't really like go and pitch to uh, like an online outlet and say "Yeah, i want to avoid like uh, thousands and thousands of words about like
0: <laughs> yeah i tried that thing. at a uh, waypoint one time and they did not uh, i said i have an idea for a massive series and they were like i don't really think we know yeah, you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay yeah all right um but yeah, no, I, so like, just to be clear, you have a Kickstarter coming. Uh, that's one of the things that, that the, one of the reasons you came on today um, is like, so by the time this comes out, if we're, if we're doing like, say, say it comes out this Wednesday, will the Kickstarter be up or not? Uh, <clears throat> or it could come out. Wednesday. Yeah. How about this? When <laughs> this comes out, the Kickstarter will be up.
1: Um, yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah.
0: I'm just gonna. Yeah. I'm just gonna go ahead and say that it will be, um, because I will coordinate with you because we can okay. do that uh, over yeah. email. Um, Let's do that. Yeah. Uh, but so the Kickstarter is out at this point. Um, what are you sort of hoping for? Like, I know Kickstarters are weird. Like, the, it's it's a strange thing to to do, especially if you've never done it before. I don't know if you're familiar with Kickstarters, So that's something you have had experience with or not. Like, what are you sort of like? What is your feeling going into it?
1: Uh that it will fail <laughs>
0: okay know. all right well. i don't know
1: no. uh, i don't know everyone loves um, a confident
0: person <laughs>
1: yeah just
0: kidding yeah that's
1: yeah what well, my yeah i i i tried to like not so basically i decided like i said i decided i wanted to do the book i tr- i tried not to i tried to just think about like what do i want to do to make it good rather than like what how can i like strip this down to make it like the cheapest thing to give it like more chance of success if you know what right. i mean right no that's so, a that's
0: a smart idea yeah i mean obviously yeah. that would
1: so that's like why i got my, my friend involved to do the design and stuff and like we you know talked to printers and stuff and we, we, were, we were looking at doing something you know like high quality paper and things like that so it's gonna be, it, it's uh yeah so that obviously comes with costs um, right it would not be it but, would not
0: be a cheap thing to produce necessarily no
1: no especially it's going to be if it gets funded it's going to be a relatively small print run but yeah our, our idea was to do something that's like high quality like a nice thing to have like a nice thing to look at that, that's hopefully good as well so yeah so that means that yeah it's it's relatively pricey to do that to cover those costs so i, I like i say i have no idea if there's an audience out there to support that i know we had like uh, a decent amount of listeners to the to the show who enjoyed the, oh, the podcast. Go. I don't know if that means they they want a book. Um
0: but I feel like there's something very um you know like I liked I liked get object, but I also think that like there is this sense of it, it's a tough sell in a way because it's um audio, right? Like um like it's eh, not that it was a bad idea to put it in audio. I think that's perfectly reasonable. But I also think like it if you're saying, like, we're going to cover objects in video games, immediately what someone wants, kind of, if they know it or not, and this is – I say know it or not because I didn't know I wanted this until I saw the video. Um, what they want is to be able to see those objects. Like, that's part of what the the, the joy yeah. of it is. Like, one of the questions you ask in the video is – and since the Kickstarter's out by the time we're recording this, I can say this. Um, mm. <laughs> one of the questions you ask in the video is, like, why is meat always the, like – you know, always the the top-tier health uh, thing. And it's true. Yeah. Like, anytime you see meat in a, in a platform or whatever, it's always the thing that gives you the most. It's like a big chicken or a meat or a ham or something.
1: Yeah, um, like uh, roast chickens in bins in Final Fight. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's, there's, like, meat in the walls in one of the Castlevanias or something. Oh,
0: yeah. I think probably the first three. Um, yeah, it's like...
1: Okay.
0: It's always, like, a big... Roast like a turkey or whatever. Um, right, yeah. And so, like, why why would that be the case? I think that's a, a really good question. And so, like, that question is interesting on its face, but then also when it's like, oh, and here is that piece of meat for you to look at right now, that also kind of, like, it, it, it kind of activates something in your brain where you're like, oh, yeah, no, actually, I remember looking at that thing and thinking it was cool when I was playing the game, and now I am wondering about this question, which I now also find interesting. So... There is something about the visual element that I feel like is really, I don't know, it it, it's, it engages me in a way that I didn't, not that I didn't expect to be engaged, but it engages me in a stronger way than I would have expected given that I already kind of liked the topic at hand.
1: Yeah, I, I think it, yeah, like you say, it makes perfect sense that you're you're talking about things, you want to see the things. <laughs> um, <that makes> <laughs> but yeah, like that, that kind of question you brought up, that's kind of... So what... Uh, what my what I kind of want to do is like, like there's a so there's there's a, a variety of ways of of like a thinking about objects in games or like a, approaching them like w- one of them is just like a really surface level thing well not not surface level thing but just like why is this particular object like cool like why is it <laughs> satisfying like yeah you know, why is this. uh why is this sword particularly satisfying to use? So or like, why, why, why is this? Why is this object particularly interesting? Like, yeah. what makes this stand out from from other things of games? So like that that's like one dimension of it. There, there's also uh, the thing that you just mentioned with with the the meat. So like, yeah, like meat. It's ten, if there's a hierarchy of food in games, meat's normally like the the most healing. So
0: and like typically like apples are the lowest.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like if you like,
0: yeah. Oh, I got an apple; it'll heal half a heart or something. Even, even to the point of like that. That's kind of what happens in uh, uh, um, Breath of the Wild, right? Like the first thing you find is just an apple, and it heals you almost not at all. Um, yeah. And then until you can until you can start cooking real meaty dishes, and then <laughs> then you can get healed.
1: Yeah. So that so that that part of it is like okay, well, that where does that come from? So there's this idea of um, looking at like cultural ideas and like how they are. How they are kind of re- reflected in games, or how how looking at something like that, like a a um, like a, a, a trope in games, and thinking like, what, "Why is this a trope?" Like that leads you to 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 kind of look at a cultural uh, uh, cultural assumption around a particular thing. So, so in the case you mentioned, like we have all these associations with meat as being like a a food that like regenerates. This kind of has this assumption of like heartiness. Uh, Hmm. it's also tied up in all kind of, um, you know, there's this idea of like manliness and eating meat. Like there's, you know, Alex Jones likes to take pictures of himself, (laughs) topless, um, grilling steaks and stuff because (laughs) there was
0: was that recent, there was a recent uh, dust up because Fox news printed something about how Joe Biden's climate plan means that you're going to have like, they'll cut down on cut down 90% on, um, you know, uh cow meat, like cattle, right. um and that red meat uh will be will be you won't won't be able to eat it all you won't only be able to have one hamburger a month and people freaked out.
1: Um, right.
0: yeah, I mean that's like totally a thing, right? Like like <laughs> this the, the fact that enjoying meat is considered like this not only manly but like also you know, like threatened thing. Like the idea of vitality itself is somehow Yeah vitality, like, yeah. so siege. tied
1: up with the idea of meat. Like that you get, that you gain some kind of like, yeah, uh, <laughs> mystical vitality if you consume meat. Like, it has this right. special uh, character that other food doesn't have. So yeah, that's the kind of the kind of things that 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 come out. I think, um, yeah. There's also all, all kinds of other stuff with like the the idea of food giving you stat buffs, which is like a common thing. Obviously, you mentioned Zelda yeah. and like Monster Hunter and all this, but obviously we do we do associate food with doing like more than just um yeah fulfilling like our our needs so this idea that that food can like um regenerate your spirit in some way you know like if you're feeling down or something can you have like a nice meal it can make you feel good it can you can bond with people with food so this idea of stat buffs being attached to food you have obviously, it's like a, a mechanical thing, but it does relate to like a real way that we experience food, if that makes sense.
0: No, for sure. And like, you can think about, um, I don't know, I think about like how in, in Breath of the Wild, I mean, Breath of the Wild's a fascinating example because it's both a really modern game and then also just like everything in it is the it like speaks to that older logic. Like, it is sort of a retro game in that sense where, like, you know, your, your, your buff, your healing isn't like, oh, you know you get healed via MREs that you find on the, on the ground or something. It's like you get healed by like this food you cook in a fire. Um, but I think one of the fascinations that Breath of the Wild has that I find really cool um, and sort of like compelling is like this fascination with um, special like secret herbs in the forest, right? Like that could, that specifically increase your speed or whatever, right? Like, oh, you know, this is, this is a mushroom that if you cook it specially with this other kind of meat, like increases your endurance, and that's like something that I feel speaks to a kind of um, I don't know, like a particular kind of desire around food that like you would be able to find a, a miracle food or something, um, kind of sublimated there.
1: Yeah, 100%. and then there's like other there's other because like this food that you're like what you're talking about there sounds nice to eat, right? The, the, and yeah. the, the food there's food in certain games like Zelda and Monster Hunter, which is known for for looking nice but then there's other games where the food that comes across in a totally different context so stuff like uh (laughs) so like overcooked for example where there's not like this focus on enjoying food particularly in, in any way it's it's all about it's all about how food comes out in like the 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 context of labor in like capitalism because mm. because overcooked it's all about efficiency and productivity like managing how yeah. efficient you are and producing the, so That's a really
0: good point. I wouldn't have actually thought about that with overcooked because I because mean, you know there's like the the sort of like food and efficiency the food and capitalism games I think about are like um, cart life and stuff like that where it's like explicitly right. like okay you're you're running a cart because like, this is, this is what, you know, this is what capitalism has wrought. Like you, this is your life. Like you have to, you have to make this work, but overcooked is like more sort of like symbolically about those things. Right. Where it's like, it is about, it's so much about efficiency that like uh, effectively you're, you're kind of performing the capitalist thing and you're also getting the joy of it. Cause like, even when food is like meant for efficiency or meant as sort of like given some sort of like, prop like I'm thinking of um I don't know if you've fr- played the game um the uh the friends of Rigo Ishikawa um pretty yeah. interesting game uh yeah. it's kind of it, it's a weird game um hard to describe uh, effectively the game is you are sort of this kind of like it's based on real history but I don't know the real history so um right. but it's it's you're you're you play this sort of like delinquent kid um in Japan and you're kind of like you know you're you're getting into fights with other gangs your gang is getting into fights with other gangs and essentially you know you get to uh you Ringo get to kind of wander around and decide what you do like you can go to school you can try and get your grades up if you want to or you can like just bum around all day and never show up at school or you can like get into Mm -hmm. fights and one of the things in the game is like you have pocket change and you, you get to spend it on stuff so like Oh, do you need a cigarette? Like, you're probably, like, really like cigarettes, don't you? Here's the cigarette for you, but it's going to cost you, you know, 350 yen or whatever. And, like, that is – it's enervating because, like, you don't get a lot of money. So, like, you spend it on stuff like, oh, like, I guess I'll buy this, like, gross sandwich or, like, oh, cool, like, a bag of chips. I hope that makes me a little less hungry. Like, stuff that does not seem particularly appealing because you know, like, as a person who lives in the world, like, you're just like, this is not going to fill Ringo up at all. It's just going to make him feel terrible. Um mm-hmm. But even that, right? Like, even that where you're, like, the – you see the um, – I mean, you're, you're basically being shown, okay, so, like, this is what he has. This is, like, this is all he's up against. Uh, it's not just that, like, this kid doesn't want to succeed or whatever. It's that, like, all the pressures make it extremely difficult to succeed, too. You, you can you can know all that and you can understand all that. But at the same point, there's a part of me, at least, playing that game where I'm just like, oh, man, these vending machines are super cool. I wish I could buy some candy from them. <laughs> like, like, oh, neat. Like, oh, cool. Like, uh, like a a soda and a, and like a, a wrapped sandwich from a vending machine. That's pretty neat. Like I would I I would I could go for that right now. Like that's I feel like in some way, even when we understand that the food carries some sort of like significant like, negative symbolism. It mm. still is like within the game, maybe, and I don't know. Maybe you have a better reason for this, but it seems to me that like it still carries with it like this extremely positive sort of like almost fetish, right? Where you're just like, I want to eat that. Like like the, like the people posting videos of uh, of, of food in Studio Ghibli films, almost like anything in games feels like that. Like I wish I could eat that right now.
1: Yeah, you're making me hungry. Uh, I know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there was there, there's a whole like uh, there's a whole like culture around posting like a uh, yeah Monster Hunter food and like the the Final Fantasy 15 food was a big one as, as well. Oh yeah. Like, uh, and there's a there's a big thing of um, it's a thing I I think we talked about when we did an episode on food. There's a big thing of like people recreating video game food as well. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've come across that like people making. You know, Skyrim recipes, or, or I came across
0: or, the funny one about Zelda, where the guy just tries to make them all and just like throws food. Well, I've, there were a couple. There was one where the guy tries to make them all and gets like incredibly sick, and then there was... <laughs> okay. that one's pretty funny. And then there's also the like the funny one where the like it's like more like a TikTok where the guy's like, "Oh, I'll just make this," and he throws them all into the pot like they do in Zelda, right? And just like splashes everywhere and ruins his kitchen, <laughs> and then tries to eat like you know raw things because that's not how anything cooks. But yeah, no no, 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 there's like, that's a, yeah, I've seen some of that. I've seen like, I've, but like to go back to the point you were making about like the the like even when it's not good, like in Monster Hunter, it looks delicious, but like people do that for, and correct if I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty sure people do that for like Fallout games too. Like anything that has food, you try and recreate it.
1: I guess it's like what food's like a, a really common way of so, for example, if you're uh, traveling to another country and you mm-hmm. want to understand or interact with the culture, like foods, a way, a really obvious way and common way of doing that. Oh, I yeah, guess there's yeah. something of there. like
0: always do that. When I when every time I've traveled, it's always been like, okay, what food can I get right now? Like this is this is how I will understand, you know, well, of course. Paris or whatever, right? Like it's like, oh, I've gotta get a croissant. Like that's how you that's how you do it. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. But, yeah, it is obviously a really important part of, like, cultures. Uh, So I I guess there's an element of when people want to understand, like, or or want to kind of go deeper or connect more to an alternative world, that we inherently have this thing of food being, like, a portal to to do that, to, like, Mm. get a connection to something we don't, that's, like, foreign to us in some way. So I, I guess that kind of explains the compulsion for people to to do that like like you say even when the food's not particularly appealing to kind of yeah find the way into that world somehow so I guess
0: uh, yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense and i probably could talk to you about food the whole time but that doesn't do much to sell your book cuz it's not only on food <laughs> so um like here's one that always kind of uh eluded me and when you talk about it i get it a little bit but like It eluded me when you posted about it on the board, and I didn't have any good suggestions. So, like, I just – I kind of watched other people's suggestions. And as it was one of the first, they all had really good suggestions. And I realized, okay, I'm I'm not helping anyone by posting here. This is – everyone's got this handled. Um, But um, it was keys. Keys was one of the first ones you talked about, as I recall, on the No Cartridge Discord. Or it's one of the first ones I noticed anyway. It was the first
1: one, yeah.
0: Okay. Um, Keys are tough for me. Like, I don't – I guess I don't understand, like – what keys grant uh, aesthetically? Not that they don't, but like it's just like it's hard for me to gra- get my head around it. So, can you talk to me a little bit about keys and like how they work in in your minded video games?
1: Yeah, well, I think one of the things is when when you approach the different objects, you find like a different like a approach to them and a different way of uh, framing them. Like one of the things that I really focused on, uh, as I recall, with keys was how they were an object to kind of help understand the way that games had evolved mm. so one of, the, one of the first things i thought of is is uh if you've been playing if you're as old as us and you've been playing games uh for, for a long time then you'll remember like there's a lot of like um dungeons or whatever made out of lines with just like uh you know the most basic um visual elements and like sure. keys would be there and it would normally be you would walk around, and you would. There would be a locked door, and you would find the key, and then you would, uh, yeah, get through get through the door. That was a, a really common thing. And right. then, yeah, he, no, you're, you're
0: absolutely correct. It's it's like it's like a, a key sort of operates as this entryway, like a, a way to sort of like, okay, here's how I expand the map. Yeah, um,
1: but 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 for me, what's important is it's it's really um, kind of transparent like mm. um so if you think so the, even this this lasted up until it's slightly like different way so if you think about doom classically right the always you you doom. come to a red door or a blue door or a yellow door and you have to go and get the key for that door and right. it's really obvious like what is it's very obviously in a video game level right yeah very very obvious and and then we we all know that this big shift happened where developers wanted to obscure the fact that you were in a video game level like they wanted to make you feel like a the classic example would be something like city 17 where mm-hmm. they want you to feel like you are in a place that makes sense and the, the key kind of charts this story in a sense because um yeah it was such a fundamental part of games like i mentioned all these games we play you, something blocks your way you find the key like we all know that's how the games work. Uh, right. That's how that's how Doom works. But the the key kind of became, for me, like that that cl- classic thing of like here's the locked door, go find the key. It kind of faded a- away with time. Like when I think of City Seventeen, I don't think of locked doors. And do, do, do you know what I mean? So the the kind of yeah. the prevalence of the key and the way it kind of faded away, like tells us something about uh how games have evolved and how the kind of priorities of developers evolved and yeah, i guess and you can think about go, it
0: oh no I'm, I'm sorry uh actually you go on because you probably have something more interesting to say
1: no, no i was just going to say i i think you probably see you, you then have to start thinking of keys in different ways because obviously we still have uh places where progress is blocked you you can think of something like Uh, metroidvanias which are essentially full of keys which are just more interesting than just finding the key and opening the door they are (laughs) keys that open new ways of exploration but they're also things you can use in other contexts like combat and things like that so it's not that like keys disappear as such they just Kind of uh, manifest in different ways. They're more kind of obscured, I guess.
0: Yeah, and that's really interesting because I, I, you know, I think I've never really thought about keys that way. So I'm, I'm glad that you said that because, like, that w- that was some that is something that really explains it to me. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I am realizing as you're saying it is like the way that like the idea because I was thinking of Metroidvania when you were talking about games, old games with keys, and I was like, oh yeah, because like Metroidvania's have like essentially keys built in. But you're right that their abilities. It's just that if you play, like, say, the original Metroid, right? It's pretty clear that those abilities are coded as keys, right? <laughs> like, right. like if you think about the missile doors in in the original Metroid. If, if people haven't played uh, Metroid One recently or Super Metroid, I guess it's in Super Metroid too. So probably that's that's more likely the game you've played uh, since it's a much more accessible uh, retro game than than uh, Metroid. Um, one, which is yeah. kind of. I I fun, I,
1: I haven't play. I haven't played those games. I must confess, but oh, you should. I have, I, are, I have enough familiarity to know what you mean by missteps. Yeah, answers. okay. Well, you'd, you'd yeah. enjoy
0: them. You should. You should give them a try. But um, they're very interesting. But the uh, I will say, like the one the one funny thing about about a Metroid game is that like one of the one of the primary ways that uh you know we we get uh you know uh progress blocked, especially Metroid One and and up to Super Metroid is the progress gets blocked by way of, like, oh, here's a red door. Um, to open a red door, you need to get missiles and use five missiles to open the door. Okay. Oh, in, in in Super Metroid, here's a green door. That is a super missile door. So until you have super missiles, you can't do it, and it's going to take one super missile to open the door. And it's like, okay, like at that point, I'm seeing them as keys. I'm seeing this yeah. as, like, okay, these are locked doors, and I need to access the correct key to do it. But it's also clear that, like, at a certain point, Developers stop thinking about them as keys because you think about something like Hollow Knight or something like that. And, mm. and yeah, there are areas that are locked off to you, but it's always in terms of exploration. And like it never feels like, mm. oh, this is locked off because I don't have the key. It's just locked off because I can't jump high enough yet. And once I am, then I can explore this different space. And like that's like a really subtle difference, but one that I had never considered. And I think it's a a really important one.
1: Yeah. I, 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 like I said, I think that's yeah, just a, a function of developers try to uh kind of hide the um yeah to make it less uh so that you don't see like the the structure of it so obviously like i said like like this is a i am in a video game level and this is the bit where they've tried to slow me down to make the game last longer <laughs> or whatever
0: <laughs> right right yeah and like i i think like the, the the sort of like ultimate version of of um getting past that is something like. Um, well, on some level, it's something like uh, Chrono Trigger, where you can go into the left portal, the the wrong portal at the beginning of the game, and go fight Lavos, the last boss, as the first boss, right. typically losing, um, unless you're playing New Game Plus. Um, well, always losing unless you're playing New Game Plus. Yeah, you can't you can't, you can't win. But um, but like yeah, it's like it's that that's one thing. But maybe more, maybe less like. Um, I how to say this? Like less gimmicky than that. Not that it's bad, but it's gimmicky. Uh, then that would be like um, Dishonored or Prey, uh, the more recent Prey, where um, the, those those. Why am I forgetting the the name of that studio? It doesn't okay. matter. Arcane. Thank you. Um, but like you know those those games where you're sort of told, okay, you're allowed to you're allowed to really work through how you want to get into this room or not, right? Like we've all seen like. Uh, maybe we all haven't seen, but you can go watch videos of how people unlock doors in Prey, and it's super interesting. Like, you know, you can unlock a door by, like, shooting a little nerf gun really high and having it bounce off something and then bounce on the key latch, right? Mm. Um, Or in Dishonored, like, maybe you want the key in order to... Finish a particular way of of beating the level, but you also could just kill all the guards. And once you kill all the guards, maybe you don't even need to get into the room that you meant that you needed to get into before. So the key becomes secondary. Um, and at that point, like the key really does become like another like another option. Like a, 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 again, like a game like Thief or a game like Hitman. Like these games are games where it's like yeah, like the key is your way of doing this level in a particular style, um, but it is by no means uh, you know. Uh, necessary to, to to exploring this world.
1: Yeah, D- Dishonored is a really good example as well of of um, what I was talking about in that. Like, obviously, keys still exist in games, though I said they're kind of kind of faded in, in some sense. But like, if you find a key in Dishonored, it it will be placed in a way that makes sense within like the the context <laughs> of the world. So, for example, it will right. be like on the person of a captain or whatever who has access to a particular room that he keeps locked whereas in doom it will be on a pillar in the middle of some toxic waste which makes no <laughs> sense like right. why, why, why? like uh, you know that makes no sense. in the yeah in the context of your workplace where, have you seen the have you seen the key yeah it's on the pillar uh, uh you know by the toxic waste uh, oh okay yeah oh okay but, yeah,
0: the, yeah. In, in, in the toxic waste room
1: got it yeah <laughs> Like makes no, it makes zero sense. But right. like, yeah. So now, like, the keys still exist, but if they exist, they have to be placed in a way that like makes logical sense. I think at least, also, at least for for kind of those kind of, um, I guess, big budget like three D, yeah, worlds that. Supposed but like, to. even
0: within even within that like that logic, though, right? Because like, there's a way that you could certainly argue that like. If you found a key in real life, right? Like, yeah, okay. If you're if you're infiltrating a place, or I mean, I have never done this, so who knows? But like, I would assume if you're infiltrating a place, right? Like, you're sort of trying to sneak in or whatever. You're doing your your uh, solid snake thing. Um, on some level, you would uh, find keys where you expected them, right? Like, mm. it, it would it would be a matter of okay, like this person is like a, a captain, or this per- as you said, or like this person is. Uh, the the head of this area, so they'll have the key on them. But like in the world of Dishonored, right? You're you're in the middle of a city. You're you're kind of like in all sorts of different places. In a truly realistic setting, you would find keys in all sorts of weird spots, and they wouldn't go to doors that they were near. Right? Like people drop keys. Keys are in yeah. random places. Maybe people have the wrong key. So like the fact that you can still, the fact that you find them on the right people i'm trying to find the way best way to say it. the fact that you find them on the right people still indicates that it's a video game right it just does it in sort of like a uh, a way that you can feel a little better about or a little less like oh they're they're stringing me along here um it's obviously yeah. still a video game because otherwise why would you ever find the right key like <laughs> you're you're not likely yeah. to find the right key by like pickpocketing your neighbor who, who knows what keys they have on them
1: yeah yeah, you'd be running around trying it in every door. You're right, exactly. <laughs> it would
0: be a nightmare, um, yeah. and of course, like an unplayable game. But yeah, no, you're right. Like I think, and and this kind of goes back. This kind of goes to something you said in the in the video too, where like one of the things that that video games are defined by, if if not, and, and I think you make this claim, so I will I will paraphrase you here. Mm-hmm. The you know the thing video games are defined by is um, is interactivity. Uh, no, not interact yeah, interactivity. And like mm-hmm. what you interact with. But like part of interactivity, I think, is also the sense of immersion, right? Like especially now, like when you're interacting with something, you're expected to be interacting with it in a way where you are not questioning it. You're not like you're not like, oh, like what is what is the what is the frame of this? Or like what is the 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 idea here and if you are questioning the frame it's it's intentional right like it's something like uh goose game or baba is you or something where you're just like oh yeah like this game knows it's a game and that's part of the fun like if it's a realistic game part of the the whole thing is like okay you want to feel like you are in this world and it matters that you are there um and that is like that is such a strange and like recent turn in video games that has been uh normalized like I wonder like what do you what do you think about that like what do you think about like this sense of immersion and how it relates to objects and like you know I don't want to put you on the spot and say like well is it better or worse but like you know in terms of like producing a piece of art like how does it change what we are experiencing
1: um I guess it's I don't think it's it's I don't think it's better or worse, right? I think it's just different, and the, the, we, we're talking about a kind of general trend of of games, like trying to kind of hide these joins and hide the hide the way things function behind the scenes. But of course, there are still plenty of like really abstract, like oh, here's a video game level, and right, right. <laughs> uh, the, 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 those things still exist. Um, I think there's there's a there's probably a mistake in. Uh, like we said that's kind of become the default for big budget games in that they assume that this is inherently better um and i'm not again i'm not saying it's like bad i'm not saying uh of course there are loads of games that i've tried to be Im- immersive as we say and tried to hide these joins as much as possible and do it really effectively and, it, and it's a, it's a great thing but i think in all cases of like triple a development there's all kinds of built in assumptions about how games work and what's good that that is not, uh, yeah. The, the, you you could think about things. I mean, this is one of the things we we that that comes up as as well in the in, well will come up in the book. I think is like where is there a pop- so um, map, maps is one of the one of the the things where like yeah, you I wanted of, to talk like, min- about maps. Yeah, well, I was going to say like talking about this like mini maps has become a thing that's just like that's how you deal with the issue of navigation in like a big place and like that's the way you do it and we all know what a mini map looks like it's normally like in the bottom right hand or something of your map and they, they all look the same and they all function the same right but that's like that's such a uh, and again like it's not to say like mini maps are inherently bad but like that's just one thing you could do with a map. There are so many things you can do in a map and there are so many ways of having you navigate spaces. And I think one of the things that mini maps have done is, so when you navigate a space, um, obviously maps is one way that we do that in real life. Another way is that we kind of get to know like uh, points of reference. or like uh, particularly notable pieces of architecture, like I know this building or like I have a sense of where I am in relation to this thing, um, and I and that that kind of helps me orientate myself around. I think with mini maps, I, I don't know if you find this, but I find that there used to be games that uh, not to make it sound like in in my day, uh, <laughs> but 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 when when you didn't have that thing right, you had to learn a place, mm. but you had to get a frame of reference to. You you can't you came to feel like you were you I know this city or whatever in the way yeah. that I know also just before I became accustomed to like using the mini map like now it's become such a thing that I would maybe like when you move to a new city and you learn part of the play part of what makes it feel like your home is once you learn it and once you know it. You understand how it works. I feel like with mini maps, I spend a lot of time just looking at the minimap. I don't look at hmm. the buildings. I don't look at the architecture. I oh, don't... I totally
0: agree with you there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's such a that's such a shame, and it's such like. And again, there are ways there are ways that mini maps can be used effectively, but it's not the only way to do things. It's really really a shame that um, that's become like a default thing. Um, There's I mean, one other that- thing. Sorry, oh good go ahead.
0: Ahead. I was gonna say maybe that like and and then go to the other thing but like maybe that like is the the key word here is the is this idea of default right like I think one of the fascinating things about about your work is you're framing it is that like it's this it's this like sense of variety and like difference within games themselves like yeah like, we all know that video games have maps and we all know that video games have keys, but, like, the actual sort of difference between the maps and keys. Like, it's very easy to sort of elide that and not think about that. Whereas, like, it, it, as far as, like, your your points are going, like, that's really important to to keep that in your mind at all times. Like, this difference is important.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, but, yeah, I, d- I just wanted to mention something else on maps that came to mind, uh, if, you, yeah, if you don't mind. Please, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Um, because yeah one of the one of the other things that hopefully i'll want to do in the book is kind of in looking at so we mentioned this thing of like taking cultural ideas and like looking at how they're represented in the games but there's i think also sometimes there are times where you can look at how an object functions in a game and then apply that to reality to kind of Hmm. gain a new perspective that's something else i hope to do so one of the one of the things that this this uh kind of came up for me was with with maps um so obviously the the kind of way that we tend to think about maps is that we have like reality like the the real world that exists and then from that we create a symbolic representation of it which is the map so the real comes yes. first and then we make the map afterwards so one of the maps that uh that um we looked at in the episode that we did on maps forget object and that i want to to write about as a uh, a game i don't know if you're familiar with it uh, neo atlas 1469
0: no i'm not familiar with that one
1: okay not uh, not a game i've i've actually played but a game i've kind of <laughs> read about and and uh and heard people talk about and by all accounts it's not a very good game but um <laughs> not particularly in, not necessarily interested in quality with uh, with this book More interested in what these these kind of objects do so so basically this is a a game where you, you kind of send out like captains to explore the world. So obviously this is a set in a time where people don't have a fixed idea of what the world looks like. You, yeah. send, you send your admirals out. Uh, they come back and they, they come back with reports of what they found. So they say, oh yeah, I found this place and, and these things were there. And you can choose either to accept their report, in which case that then appears on the map. Like that becomes part of the world or you can reject it and then that's kind of wiped off the map. So essentially you kind of create a reality based on how you want to re- that you choose what reality is based on on what people come back with you you create this fictional map and then that yeah. that's what's real like that becomes realized. That's um, super interesting.
0: So like are there are there penalties for For getting it wrong like is there any sort of like correct or incorrect or is it all simply like you get to basically decide what is right and wrong
1: no it's it's not about what's correct or incorrect you're you're deciding what reality is and i i I, like i say haven't played the game but i i I guess it's it's kind of based around uh like strategic decisions about Mm. what you want to be where and how far it is away and stuff like that but yeah what what i found really interesting about that is is the way that that kind of if you take that conception of the map because that that like I said that inherit that sounds like uh completely contrary to how we think of what a map should do, which like I said it should come after reality, not that you make a map and then that becomes real but like if you think about like the 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 history of colonialism, for example, mm-hmm. what happens is uh people from uh normally my country um show up in in your- Yeah,
0: Germany uh, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah show up in uh, africa or whatever and then what do they what do they do like they draw maps and like divide up uh they decide that this is a a border here and this is a this is a this is the new name of this country that, we, right, that, that right. we've had and then they enforce that and they make it reality like that didn't exist before then um you think of all these like uh disputes that have come up through like google and stuff where countries have lobbied them about where they draw their borders on like google maps or apple maps or whatever oh that's Um, wild i
0: I don't know anything about that but obviously like now that you're saying it of course that would be a thing like (laughs) i feel silly for not thinking of it before like
1: obviously (laughs) Well, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about it before, but yeah, but apparently, like, even if based on where you are, if you go on Google Maps, there will be differences in where borders are. Um, oh, that's really like if you're if you're in like a, yeah, India or or Pakistan or whatever, and you're you're looking at some of the borders there, they'll, they'll differ depending on on where you are. Um, I believe Russia successfully got the border changed. Um, Around Ukraine, um, <laughs> kind of lobbying Apple Maps. Um, so again, well, I, this is... I can't
0: believe that Russia would be interested in getting the more change <laughs> yeah. Ukraine. What a shock! Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That. Uh, yeah. You're right. Like, I mean, I think I think one of those like one of the things about I think one of the one of the things about like mini maps, right, and the way you're talking about maps is mini maps assert that kind of like. Um, standard understanding of mapping right where like this is just like a, a an accurate representation of reality yeah and in fact even more accurate than what you see in front of your eyes because it yeah lays it's out yeah. the matrices of everything and, and how it mm. works and like it understands how the game is coded, so like it'll give you avenues and stuff that you yourself might not be able to see, because you're not reading them the right way, right? Like, oh, it looks like a like looks like a wall. Well, it turns out it's an alley, right? So, mm-hmm. minimap will tell you that your eyes won't. And so, like, I think like what you're saying about about like the way maps actually work is like this thing that codifies reality well after the fact, which I I completely agree with. Like, or I'm sorry, well before the fact of. It's mm. not before or after. I'm trying to think of how to say this because I agree with you, and I'm I'm saying it very wrong. Um, it's 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 this you know the way the way reality um, is in fact the, here we go. The way reality is codified by maps, not the way that maps are codified by reality or or, or yes. disciplined yeah. by reality. Right? Like you you think about like I think we all would imagine a map as something that tells us where to go. Whereas, like, the creation of the map is far more impactful on the places that you go than the actual sort of, like, introduction of the map, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess, I'm not saying it right, but I think hopefully people are getting my point. I
1: think you're, yeah. I think you are.
0: But, like, yeah, I think, like, mini maps encourage a much more uh, standard and, uh, I don't know, less less sort of challenging view of of how maps work.
1: Yeah. And... Yeah there were and again there are games that um do cool stuff I think maps maps is a really again map, maps are ones maps are an object in games that uh can be really fun to use because because they're an everyday object and we know how to use them so mm-hmm. you you know stuff like um stuff like firewatch and things like that where you have yeah. an actual diegetic I love diegetic maps Yeah, think maps are I great love it so much yeah yeah, there's something so satisfying about like actually getting out a map, and and again that I think that shows you a different way. That shows you a way of a map connecting you to a place because you have to um, you have to like compare the map to what's around you and think about how it relates to it. So that, whereas we're talking about the mini map kind of disconnecting you from that. So I think yeah, that's a, a good example that, that maps can be used in, in completely different ways.
0: Well, I guess like uh, you know, one of the things that you made me think of there, and like I, I again would not have thought about this outside of this this context, is like the question of um, the question of like the the map you get with the game, right? Like like the old mm, the yeah, old yeah. thing that was an add on, uh, where you'd be able to get like oh, you know this game this game comes with like a map of I don't know, like I'm trying to think of like. Well, the world of say like Final Fantasy One, right? Like you know this this is the game where this is the map of of like the RPG you're playing. Like Dragon, like you bought Dragon Warrior, you get to have I'll call it by the the name we saw it as kids when we when we had the chance to buy it. Um, if you were a kid in the uh, era where actually I probably that probably predates me uh, slightly, um, <laughs> but I had friends who had it and I played it on the original Nintendo, so not slightly enough. Um, but, like, you know, it's it's like you, you might have got a cloth, not cloth map, but maybe a paper map with it. And you could, like, it was always a very abstracted view of this, right? Where, like, it would be the areas of the world um, depicted, but not, like, the actual land on it. And so, like, sometimes you'd see in, like, Nintendo Power or something where they'd, like, superimpose the two. But, like, that, that act of interpretation of the map was also an act of exploring uh for the player of the game and so like i wonder if like diegetic maps call back that like thing you had that you could like flesh out by playing the
1: game yeah i think i think there's a that they there's something about yeah maps like that that are more more kind of like more abstract like you said like they 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 show you what's there but they also don't so what i mean by that is like if you have a map that has uh like a the name of a town on it in some place it's like you don't know what that town looks like so the the map kind of gives you like um an impetus to explore if you know what i mean it's yeah, like absolutely. oh like there's these things i could see so it, it tells you what the world yeah it gives you like a the contours of the world but it doesn't give you any specifics and it, and it makes you you see that there's this big place and you see there's these different things you can visit and then, yeah like i said it gives you Creates a, like sense of, in a weird way, it gives you information, but at the same time creates a sense of mystery for like the absence of information of what that thing actually is that makes you want to go there and see it. Mm. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think like I I think that's really that makes a lot of sense, and like there's a there's a sense of um, no, you know, I, I I actually don't have anything to add to that. That's really smart. Yeah, because it's, it's like it is a it is a. A making real of, or it, it's a feeling of making something real out of an abstraction. When, of course, because it's a video game, you're simply like intensifying the abstraction, or sort of like putting an abstraction upon an abstraction. Um, I remember what I was going to say. Like uh, we were talking, I was talking about this with um, uh, someone a few episodes ago uh, about um, uh, the old, um, like the old uh, 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 Elder Scrolls games. Um, not the old, old ones, but, like, talking about, like, the, the first ones in the in the 3D world. So specifically, like, um, uh, Morrowind and Oblivion. Mm. And the way that those games had stuff that was just, like, way off the map. Like, there could be, like, these wastelands full of stuff. Uh, full of nothing, excuse me. And then all of a sudden you'd stumble upon, like, some statue of a god, right? Like, mm. weird stuff. Stuff that you wouldn't expect. Stuff that, like, people found was very strange. And how that, like... It almost felt more real as a result. Like, there's something very immersive about that. Like, the idea that, like, oh, I'm, like, I'm in uncharted land and might find anything. But mostly we'll find nothing. Like, that kind of, like, that kind of use of the map, right? Like, that that I'm going to explore every inch of this and just, like, you know, chart this for myself. That is, I mean, there is something very... uh, Reifying about that it is, it is the making of reality in a, in a very real sense
1: Yeah, maps are cool
0: Maps are super cool <laughs> So uh, I have one last question for you um, And because and, it's kind of a bigger one um, Thinking about What we were just talking about In terms of maps and in terms of like Reification and stuff like um, How much do you think Objects have to do With the way we Interpret games Like, obviously, we use them to interact within games, but I think a lot of people would tell you that games are just basically like movies. Like, you just watch them or whatever. Like, they're slightly interactive movies or whatever. And I think it seems to me that your thesis about objects, and I think I would agree with it as far as this goes, but, like, I think it seems to me your thesis about objects suggests an element of, like... uh, Like, you're focusing on... You're focusing on objects as this way of... Understanding, interpreting, analyzing video games as a way of sort of like um, imagining interaction as something bigger, imagining interaction as like a way of defining the medium. So, like, I wonder to sort of narrow down this question: like, how much of your understanding of objects has to do with the way that they help as analytical tools?
1: Um, that's um, I mean, that's a, a, I guess that's a big part of what I'm trying to do in the book is use them as analytical tools um, and use them as analytical tools in different ways. Like, so sometimes to do with games, sometimes, mm. to, sometimes, yeah, so th- that's part of what, what I hope we'll do. Like, they'll be doing different things going on in different chapters. So sometimes it's like an analytical tool to think about the game and how games work. Sometimes it's an analytical tool to think about how that object works in reality um so like uh, maybe another good example would be um clothes for example which mm. have um big so there's big ideas around clothes as uh, or uh, very commonly pink people think of clothes in terms of superficiality right yeah. like there's, it's about surface area uh, about sorry about surface it's um there are all kinds of like uh, um, gendered ideas around this as well, because clothes are commonly considered to be like the the realm of the of the the feminine, and therefore they're unimportant. So there's all kinds of like misogynistic ideas around uh, around clothes, like how they're considered, like who's who uh, who that realm belongs to, and things like this. Yeah, uh, you think
0: about. I mean, you just think about like the way that. Um... I don't know, like, the way that people imagine, um, you know, purchases to work. And, like, say something like Fortnite, right? Where people will say, well, you know, you can play the game. The only thing you, can really, you really have to buy are um, outfits. Like, that's the only thing that they'll, they'll sell you is outfits. So it's, it's not really anything. And then, like, the idea that that is inessential to the game itself, right? Like, that, like the idea of an outfit outside of the, the um, default one is somehow, like, secondary to the gameplay as opposed to sort of constitutive of it.
1: Yeah, that's a yeah, perfect example of the, of the way that that's it, 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 um, completely reflected in games. Like, this idea that we have in reality that clothes is superficial is completely there in games where everybody hates microtransactions unless it's clothes, in which case it's not important because it's clothes uh right matter.
0: exactly exactly uh, yeah but yeah, that's what uh, what the majority of microtransactions are spent on where like you know people like the the example i always come back to because it seems like something that could happen to me as a parent is the kid spending like two grand or i got i think it was actually 2000 euro on um on nba uh, 2k um It's weird that they didn't spend it on FIFA, but whatever, Um, to get, like, different uniforms, right? And, like, just, like, they wanted the uniforms that looked cool, so they just, like, kept spamming the boxes with their parents' credit card. Like, they didn't know what they were doing. You You can hardly blame them. But, like, that is appealing. Like, you want to customize your characters. You want them to look interesting. And so, like, to imagine that, like, oh, well, it's not play to win. It's just play to sort of enjoy. makes it better, right?
1: Yeah. Well, this is this is where I want to use like again objects as an analytical tool. Is is like in games as an analytical. Tool. When you think about uh, clothes in games, there's often this uh, idea that they do have power. So, like the idea of like um that or they or the, the, the matter, I should say. So, for example, yeah, one of those things is like through the way in which they have power. So mm. stat buffs, for example, like you put on certain clothes and you get um you uh, you become quicker or in like Disco Elysium or something, you become smarter uh, mm-hmm. or, or you have more charisma or, or whatever. And like, that seems like a complete abstraction. But if you think about like, go, if you go into uh, like, a, let's say like a corporate environment and you have a really nice suit on, uh, or if you go into that like dressed uh like i don't know like a punk or whatever or <laughs> if you go like you're going to be treated or received in a completely different way um so you it, like you could it, it is, so to a certain extent of course it's true that clothes are superficial but that completely ignores the fact that it has that the way people are dressed has a very real effect like in the world and, and how they are treated like, the, the context you're in and what you're wearing is, is really important to how people treat you. Um, and even things like, so if you think about, like, the symbolic power that exists within, like, the uniform of the judge, for example, or yeah. within a, a police uniform. Like, if somebody comes up to you in the street and starts telling you what to do, like, there's a difference to how you respond if they're dressed as just like a normal person, or like you're like, well, Why? Why are you telling me what to do? Um, <laughs> right, I mean, yeah, I, exactly. You, you still feel like that with a police officer, but you're more inclined to listen to them because you're well, aware this person has a certain yeah. institutional power behind them that is represented in their clothes. Like we 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 know, yeah, we we know that. And like the the I think the the premier game for symbolic power of clothes is, is probably uh, Hitman um yeah yeah which is all about uh agent 47 using the symbolic power of clothes to 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 kind of yeah move his way through the world um which which is uh and i i would say the the reason agent 47 is so good at this is because he he's he has a complete lack of individuality like he he has almost no personality he is yeah just like bold generic um white man he's a and because of that he's able to fully embody the symbolic uh symbolic function of the clothes if that, right if yeah I mean.
0: and like yeah. I, I think that's that's super interesting because it's like it's a matter of like thinking about how objects in the real world also function as objects in the video and in, in the game do right like where yeah exactly you know, yeah we, we we all critique and i mean not all of us, but probably most of the people listening to the show, I, I can't imagine you are Oh, there's a lot of people who have been able to put up with, you know, the video game analysis and also the other stuff if they, like, love, like, the police or whatever. I expect I've yeah. alienated most of them. But, um, you know, like, the reason we complain, especially in the States, about, like, the way the police sort of, like, become militarized is, of course, because they don't need... I mean, there's... that's That's putting it mildly. But, like, even in the most milk toast version of this, you, they don't need like tanks no. and stuff. That's ridiculous. No. Um, and like in the least milk toast version, it's like, well, we don't really need the police. But that's a, a whole it- different story. the 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 point though isn't necessarily, I think, um, and and this is easily missed. Like, I don't think necessarily it's about having a tank. I think it's about like if you make police officers look like soldiers. They mm-hmm. yeah. carry a certain level of symbolic authority that they wouldn't if they were just dressed in, like, a blue uniform, like, a, like a, a postal worker or something, right? So, like, you add the walkie-talkie, you add the gun, you add the the bulletproof vest, you add, like, you know, the big tank and stuff. You make them look, look more and more like Judge Dredd or something, and all of a sudden it's like, well, I recognize the destructive power given to you by the state more because of what you're wearing. yeah even, and I, even and more so than the actual weapon, right?
1: Yeah, and, and I think that impacts on the, on the way they behave to the same degree because they 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 begin to embody like the the role that they are They're, like the, the clothes clothes like any kind of uniform uh, symbolizes like a specific role that you're supposed to play. And if you dress them like a soldier, like they're well aware they're dressed like a soldier. And they, right. I think that, not to like, obviously, I'm not saying that like what someone wears entirely determines their behavior. But I'm saying that that's kind of an influence on they they have part of their mentality. This this helps their mentality that they are a soldier and that they are, uh, that they, they can behave in that, that way. And like they can, they have that militarized approach. So I, I think it, yeah, also affects how they conceptualize themselves and how they conceptualize themselves as being able to behave, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, like, you know, you, you, you've you really laid out an interesting example there with clothes because, like, it's an object that we take for granted, but also it's an object that has, like, a kind of uh, semiotic power. Like, a, a, and not just mm. semiotic, but, like, it's a power to to make real in, in a kind of, like, making it almost, like, the Derridian sense of, like, you know, if I say it, it becomes true, um, and I think you know, like that kind of power is not something we should just uh, ignore just because it's happening in video games or in, in real life for that matter. So yeah, no, I, I that's fascinating. Um Well, Paul, I'm I'm, I'm up on an hour and I've kept you so long, um, and I, I try to I try to cut these at an hour because it's just like I. I try to respect people's time as opposed to my fascination with continuing conversation. So is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you really want to touch on about the book? Anything you want to say about how uh, how much people should be giving you several thousand dollars uh, <laughs> to, to your Kickstarter? Um, anything we didn't get to?
1: Well, I mean, I, 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 I made the... I mean, I didn't mention the name of the book. The oh, see, that it's, would like, be important. great promotional yeah, tactic. Wow. Yeah, uh, uh,
0: I'll try and I'll try and remember <laughs> to add it at the beginning.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, so it's uh, going to be called Object Oriented. Very, um, very good name. And um, I think probably the easiest. Like, I don't think that there's. Uh, hopefully, our conversation has given people a good idea of the kind of things that I want to be doing in the book and um you mentioned the the video that i've made for the kickstarter it's like two and a half minutes long and i think pretty much should give you a good idea of of what i'm trying to do and what the thing will look like so yeah it's a nice watch too it's
0: not like it's not like a front-facing camera paul's not talking about how like you know we need to we need to stop the woke agenda or anything don't worry (laughs) it's nothing it's nothing untoward
1: (laughs) it's good so Yeah. And I guess if, if people want to find that probably the easiest thing aside from me, uh, searching object oriented on Kickstarter, I guess I'll, um, if you just go on my Twitter, utopian horizons, I'd have tweeted about it with a link. Um, so you, you'll be able to find it there. Extremely Um, crucial
0: that you tweet about it. I have to, I have to say, yeah, uh, Yeah. yeah, I will tweet about it also on the no cartridge account. So you'll see it there as well. Um, but yeah, no, okay. I'm really looking forward to this. I will certainly be backing this, um, and if it if it does not succeed, as as um, I believe you said, you expected it not. To, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll uh, I'll just I'll just pick your brain again, and uh, we'll get more of your analysis on the show. Um, you, you, of, you,
1: really, you know, like I told you, like uh, I was think I you know I don't want to just like do the cheapest thing possible. So like I just thought, yeah, you know, I was speaking to Liam like this is what we want to do. This is what we want to do, and then we worked out the costs, and I was like. Oh, that's quite a lot of money. <laughs> 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 I don't know. So I don't know if, like I said, I don't know if the audience is there, but I wanted to try. So I sure so hope they saying. are.
0: It sounds like sounds like a necessary book in a lot of ways. I, I'm I'm really interested to see it. Uh, Paul, thanks for coming on. Uh, please come on, come on again very soon. And uh, you know, I want to hear more about what's happening with the book.
1: Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on. And, oh, okay. uh, and follow uh, Utopian Horizons. Yeah, you'll you'll be coming on Utopian Horizons again soon, hopefully. I will, uh, it's true. We, yeah. We've
0: already been talking about it. Which, yeah. based on uh, my ability to plan, means it will be sometime in Q3 2022. Uh, no, uh, uh, sooner than that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that, you, you you joke, but that off, that happens with my planning um, often yeah. as well. I, I'm sure <laughs> it's taken me sometimes like two years to I thinking, yeah, come on the show, and then like, it's like two years later. Uh, finally I get the bomb. But, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Hopefully it won't be that long. I don't think so. Um, I think we can make yeah, it work yeah. out
0: pretty quick. So uh, yeah. yeah, well, thanks so much. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really rooting for the book. I can't wait to see it.
1: Cheers. Thanks.
0: All right, bye. Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash nocartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash nocartridge.